and welcome back to Identity Architects, the podcast that's designed to spotlight pioneers in our industry who are changing the way that data is used to drive more engaging data-driven experiences. I'm your host, Ben Cicchetti, and for this special Women's History Month episode of Identity Architects, our VP of Business Development, Valerie Mercurio, sat down with Hannah Brown, Director of Product at Axiom, to discuss her accomplishments, female empowerment, women in tech, and much, much more. Before I hand over to Valerie and Hannah, just a reminder to hit that subscribe button so you know when the latest episodes of Identity Architects lands. But without any further delay, here's Val's chat with Hannah. Awesome. I am so excited to welcome Hannah Brown to today's Identity Architects session and One of the big things specifically here at InfoSum is acknowledging that it's Women's History Month. And as one of the committee members for our Women at InfoSum organization, the ERG we have here, I really wanted to focus this month on finding incredible women in tech. And Hannah, you were one of the first people that jumped to my mind. So we are so excited to have you today. And I'm really excited to chat with you and kind of go through your journey as a woman in technology. So for anyone that doesn't know you, can you give us a quick introduction to Hannah Brown and Axiom? Who, you know, who are you and and what are you doing? Yeah. Hey, Val, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Um, Yes, I am a director of products at Axiom. Um, I build products that help companies understand and make decisions based on the identity of their target market, their customers. Um, And Axiom is a data marketing company and we're part of the Interpublic Group or IPG. Um, I've worked at Axiom for, it's coming on to, I think, five years. Wow. Um, Yeah, (laughs) a really long time for me. and yeah, it's wonderful. I love working in identity. I love working in data my entire career. And I'll, I'll take you through in a little more depth if you like, but my entire career is in data. Um, so I have a lot of history um, in this space. That's awesome. And I think as well on, on the five years, congratulations. Uh, in our industry, that feels to feel like a lifetime, which is yeah. <laughs> incredible. And excited to hear about how you, how you got here. And so in in typical identity architects fashion, we always like to start with a few quick fire questions and um, really understanding, kind of setting the the framework for who Hannah is and uh, understanding a little bit more about your background. So I will kick us off with that. And the first question that we have is understanding what your earliest memory of advertising is. Yeah, sure. So um, as you can probably hear, I'm Australian and we have a food product in Australia called Vegemite. Um, I'm not sure whether you've heard about it. It's very controversial to non-Australians because it tastes, it's very salty. It's just very odd. And you put it on, on toast, right? Not to the degree that you put peanut butter on, but just a little bit. And all Australians love it. It's super nostalgic. And when I was growing up, they have, and I think they still do this today, but definitely the the thing that I can remember the most is the Vegemite song, um, which is, we're happy little Vegemites, as bright as bright can be. We all enjoy our Vegemites for breakfast, lunch, or tea. Anyway, so it's targeted at kids. It's super catchy. And they really just 
get you young on the Vegemite yes. bandwagon <laughs> in Australia. So yeah, that was a, definitely a good marketing campaign for them. <laughs> that is amazing. They know what they're doing uh, yes. for sure. I have not had Vegemite, but now now I feel inspired that I'll have to oh. try it. <laughs> Next time we see each other, I'll make you some and I'm trying to convert everyone. <laughs> amazing. I love yeah. it. Um, and with that, I mean, what was your first job in either advertising or marketing? I know you said you have a, a long background on, in data and identity. Yeah. So my first job um, out of college, so my first real job, um, I like to say, is was at News Corp and I was an account coordinator. Um, so I was looking after some of our biggest advertising clients or helping the team look after some of them. Um, and that's, this was pre Salesforce. We used a, a system called Siebel, um, which some people remember. Um, and we were just venturing into selling, um, banners and like, we called them medium rectangles on the news court digital assets. Um, and I was completely enthralled by that and more so about, you know, really quickly into that job. Um, the whole concept of programmatic just started to explode. And so that's really what kicked off my journey into data specifically. Um, but it all started with my first account coordinator job at News Corp. Amazing. Um, it is. It is so interesting. A lot of similarities across this industry of kind of how we started very junior level roles and then end up in, in kind of this programmatic land that we live in. And so thinking about that and knowing what you know now, what would you have said to yourself when you started your career? Yeah, I think don't, don't rush. I really wanted to get a job outside of college. I wanted to make a big girl salary and I wanted to feel independent, um, which is, which is really cool. And it's hard to say you would go back and do anything different, but um, I would you know, don't rush. I, I took the first, one of the first jobs that was offered to me and it was an amazing job and it set me on this great course, but, um, there's so many things to do out there. Um, you don't have to rush into anything. That's great advice. Um, what, what do you love about what you're doing right now and about, you know, our industry? What are some of the things I, I always position it in terms of what gets me up in the morning? Yeah. So the the constant, this is a, a silly thing that people say, but nothing ever stays the same for longer than honestly a few months, like six months maximum. And that's been the, the constant thing throughout my entire 15 years working in this industry. Um, you, it's not possible to be bored. It's truly not possible. And it's not possible to get stagnant in the things that we're learning. Um, so there's always opportunity for growth, even just growth through new concepts, new technologies, new laws. Um, so that's the best thing I think about it. Yes. As an industry, we keep ourselves very busy, I must yeah. say. <laughs> I remember when I kicked off in programmatic, I went to a training course at the IAB and they, they gave us that same advice saying, hey, whatever you learned today, it's probably going to be really different three months from now. So right. don't hold too much on the details. Just think about the concepts. <laughs> that's so true. I think that's so, so true. And you have to get to a place where you're comfortable not knowing most of the time like you're just teetering on the edge of 
understanding generally, but you know that there's so much and you just have to be comfortable with knowing that you, you can't ever, you're never going to be able to understand everything fully. Like you're never going to be able to cruise through this job just having nailed it, you know, because it's just every, there's new stuff all the time. Absolutely. I, I love that answer. It's very, very true. Um, and within advertising, we are obsessed with the concept of identity. And obviously you working for Axiom, you're very familiar with the landscape. Um, but thinking about identity and, and the ability to identify individuals across devices and platforms, how, how would you actually explain identity to a 10 year old? Yeah, um, this is this is tough. Even some of my grown, most of my grown family members have no <laughs> idea what I do. But I have four nieces and nephews under the age of 12. And so I say to them, I ask them what their favorite, like what's your favorite sport or your favorite hobby, your favorite game, toy, whatever that might be, TV show. Um, and depending on what they say, let's say they're a huge 49ers fan. So do, do they want to know when the 49ers are going to be playing in their hometown and how they can go and see them. Um, and that's what I do. I help make sure that the 49ers can let anyone know who's interested that they'll be playing in their hometown that month. That's really great. I like that a lot. Uh, digging through just some of the answers that I get and I always laugh. I'm like, I don't even know what I do. So it's hard for me to explain. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh, that's a really nice way to put it. I, I will probably steal that from you. How do you like, can I ask you how you explain your job to your family members? Yeah. So you can ask me, it's going to be a little bit different depending on who I'm talking to. My, my friends refer to me as the cookie monster and they're like, you know, when you look at something and then you're on another app and you see that <laughs> an ad for the product you were just, you know, looking at, that is a large piece of the pie that I kind of walk them through in terms of how advertisements work. And very often I get, I get texts like, were you just listening to me? And so, <laughs> especially now being at such a privacy focused business, that is InfoSum, a large piece that I really hone in on with my friends and my family. When I talk through what we're doing is how can we really protect data through technology for the consumer? And it seems to be resonating very lightly. Uh, I still get a lot of a lot of misses, and and I kind of stick to my role specifically instead of the entire industry at times. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it, it tends to go over a little bit easier and allows people to start understanding it a bit more. Nice, that's great. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Um, and on your side, I mean, what are, what are some of the things that kind of keep you awake at night as we think about this, you know, ever-changing ecosystem? My, the things that keep me awake at night are less about the ecosystem and more about um, the environments in which we're working. And I would have to say to that, the equality of women um, in America and around the world. And we, we see that in our workplaces today um, in terms of the distribution of uh, different gen and this applies to all other groups of people, but um, certainly 
yeah, how do we how do we make sure we lift up women in our companies and in our industries is really important to me. Definitely. I love that. And I think it is a massive piece of, of the puzzle. It's kind of, I always want to see, and I, I was at an industry event earlier this, this week, and it's always really nice for me to kind of feel a little bit of, oh, okay, I'm not the only woman here, right? There's, it's slowly, and then it's always a little bit of feast and famine, depending on where you are, but it's very much of, I want to continue to see the growth of, you know, women being in attendance at these events and on these panels and especially throughout the pandemic i think we kind of felt a little bit of that shift where ergs became a massive piece of company strategy and we saw it with diversity inclusion and belonging initiatives and i always say like we we can't just go back to old habits now that we're feeling in a semi we're returning to the offices it's how do we keep that at the forefront so i I really agree with that. And that's one of the many reasons I was so excited to chat with you today as well. Yes, uh, absolutely. Uh, and what are, what are those things then? So thinking about, you know, that is something that you're thinking about often. And as we think about staying awake at night, what are the things that get you motivated in the morning? Yeah. Um, coffee. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Um, but besides that, we really do, um, you touched on it a little bit before a big part of your job is how to protect data and how to make sure that, um, consumers are getting access to information about products that they're interested in, in a, in a way that, that protects them and doesn't violate their, their rights. So, um, that's a huge part of Axiom's focus and, and my focus in identity. And I really love that. Uh, that we um, are enabling. I I believe in the power of advertising. I believe that advertising is a source of information for us and that our world would be duller without it. Ads can get really annoying um, and they can be completely irrelevant, but they do provide information to us um, about the world around us. And that's a big part of my job is how do we make sure that we're enhancing society and sharing information like that um, in a way that is respectful to everyone. And so I I think that's an awesome thing. And then the other thing I I love is just working with, um, working with the team. That's really the, like some of the advice I give to people who are saying, what should I look for in a company? And, oh, I really want to work at this fancy name company or this fancy tech company. And I always say that, is only relevant on paper, but once you're in the door, it's completely irrelevant who the name of the LLC that's paying your paycheck. It's all about the people you work with. You're often doing a similar role um, or similar like day-to-day tasks, but the people you work with is what's going to give you fulfillment in your life. And that's the connection that humans are all wired towards. So, um, that's why we get up in the morning, I think, because we have meaningful connections with people that we work with. So completely agree with that. And it is a massive piece of the puzzle. I always say when I when I hear about people who aren't enjoying their jobs, it almost always comes down more so to the interactions that they're having at their employer versus 
the, you know, the actual work unless they, you know, signed up for a job that potentially didn't align to their skill set. A lot of it is really how do we empower each other every day and on the good days, the bad days, like how do we just really build that camaraderie together to say, you know, we're going to get through this together and we're going to innovate together and, you know, lock ourselves in a room and, and whiteboard and we're going to solve any challenge that kind of comes our way. Um, and we'll wrap up the quickfire questions with our last one, which is my favorite one. And I'm very excited to hear what you're going to say. <laughs> but if there was a song that was a soundtrack to your life, what would it be? Yeah, so it would be Magic by B.O.B. and Rivers Cuomo. <laughs> I don't know if you know that song. Everything I touch turns to gold. This is, this is tongue in cheek, of course, but. You know, what you turn your attention to, you know, typically is where you, you go in your life. So I think that's that's pretty relevant. Oh, that's amazing. That's a great answer. I always say, I think we need to make a uh, Spotify playlist of all of the soundtracks for oh, yeah. everyone that has joined us on Identity Architects. Totally. And just play that in the morning, like with our coffee, just getting motivated. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, that was great. And I know those are always kind of fun just to get us started in our conversation, but we'll actually pivot now into more of this conversation and, and thoughts uh, from a topic perspective. And so as we think about your career um, and, you know, looking at how we're recording this episode and obviously it's international women's month which i know we are both passionate about you have obviously had some you know game changing and empowering opportunities throughout your career you know your whole journey thus far but i would love if you could kind of take us back with you and and tell us about your growth and how you really got to where you are today and you know we could kind of talk through even just some of your biggest accomplishments to date yeah absolutely um so as i mentioned i started out as an account coordinator and and that was for a big media company um and over the between then and now, in the last 15 years, I've worked for um, huge companies and tiny companies. So I worked for a Series A startup. Um, I was the 20th employee and it was just a complete, like total Series A mode. And I've also worked for massive corporations. Um, Axiom is somewhere in the middle-ish to the large site. Axiom has about, I think five, maybe 6,000 employees, but IPG of course is a massive company. Um, and I have had, I think I've had five or six employers in, in that space. And one of the things is that I've, I'm, I've been fairly restless in my career. And part of that is because there's so much to absorb in our industry. And especially in this time period that we've lived in over the last 20 years with these changes to technology, it's like, you just can't get enough. There's so much available. And so I was so restless. And so whenever I was in a role and it would stagnate or I wasn't getting the growth I wanted after, you know, two years, I would change jobs. Um, and, and so Axiom, I've worked at Axiom for five years, which is, which is the longest duration I've been at a company. Um, and I don't, and I think that's good. And it was easier when you're younger. I think as we get older, we have less tolerance for that discomfort. Um, but that discomfort was definitely a constant for me and just, just wanting to, I was just so hungry for all of that information. 
um, it was programmatic media and then it was data and then it was all the technologies around um, cloud database and then it was clean rooms and just uh, it's just never ending so that's been amazing um, my biggest accomplishment is is moving to America um, I started my career in Australia I grew up in Australia and um, started my career there and then I moved here um, six years ago and I moved here because and I can touch on this as well, but um, data in America is like, it's just the holy grail. There's so much data. The laws in America permit really interesting and innovative use of data. There's humongous companies with sophisticated technology to do all this amazing stuff. And so I was working in data and technology in Australia, and there's really wonderful innovation in Australia as well. But I just saw it just the scale that America could provide. Um, I was like, wow, I need that in my life. And America was a couple years ahead in terms of technology, um, just because of the money that flows through the industry here. So that was really, really difficult moving here, getting acclimatized. There's tons of cultural differences. Um, I think we both speak English and generally have the same value system, but the cultures are really different. Um, the, the business vernacular, like words that I would use to explain concepts, um, which is a big part of my role as a product director, didn't translate like word for word, you know, so I had to like relearn my whole vocabulary. Um, but yeah, it's been the, the, most, the hardest thing and the, the biggest, most rewarding thing I've done. That's amazing. And I think really inspiring to actually look at an industry and, and understand what you're passionate about and decide that you're going to move you know, across the world, quite frankly, to actually follow that passion. And, and I think it's something that we probably don't correlate as much like data and technology innovation. I think that's so inspiring on your side to actually make that change and understand more about the, the U.S. data ecosystem, which there, there definitely is a surplus of data here. <laughs> um, yes. And uh, even on my side where I, you know, I started my career at a data company in the U.S., so very similarly, uh, really kind of building up and understanding that. And since being at InfoSub, now just learning the rest of the globe and all of the different markets and learning about the different policies and laws that are in place and how that actually impacts data partners and identity partners by region has been absolutely fascinating and something that it is very different than here in the U.S. And I'm, I'm intrigued and, and curious to see as these privacy laws change here in the U.S., how does that actually impact? And I think some of the solutions that obviously Axiom has and, and really what our core purpose as InfoSum is, how do we actually allow for that innovation in a more privacy focused way. That's such a great call out. And I, you just put it so perfectly. And I'm so curious, the, the clean room model that way that InfoSum is built around, is that, for example, in GDPR countries, like how does InfoSum fit in? What are the differences? Yeah. And, and that's what I've spent a lot of time just learning a, a lot about coming to InfoSum is we really are GDPR first. And 
building, being a technology company that built our premise ahead of GDPR and really focused on how are we going to be able to spark innovation for customers and for these data capabilities when GDPR comes to fruition. And the fact that we've been building this technology for seven and a half years now, I think is really telling because we, you know, we were really focused on this data collaboration and we were essentially like a clean room before clean rooms were even a thing. Um, and that's where we spend a lot of our time of like, what is it? We, we have this problem, I feel, as an industry that you say you're a data clean room or you say you're a CDP and you just you get bucketed in this box. And I think a lot of it is how do we educate and really go back to our core principles of who are we as a business? And we do that a lot in the U.S. where we're really focused on being thought leaders when it comes to keeping ahead of these privacy laws. And it's way more than just, you know, the cookie going away eventually. It's a lot more about protecting your data and your brand reputation. If you have one of those, you know, a data exposure, a data leak, how do we actually help you drive the most value of it? So it's, it's a really interesting and really fun to kind of continuously learn. And to your point earlier, like there's, there's no shortage of things that you can learn in this right. uh, industry. And that's such an amazing space and, and perspective that you, that InfoSum has, because the question is, you know, is the American data space and, and legal space, regulation space gonna, like, it's already evolving and what's it going to look like in five, 10 years. So it, so yeah, I think you're really well positioned for that conversation. Definitely. Um, and thinking about that, I mean, obviously hearing about your accomplishments, which are just amazing to kind of hear your journey. And I'm, I'm very envious, quite frankly, just in thinking about your shifts and, and where you've kind of ended up in, in your career growth. Where, where do you feel that you've had some of your hurdles and, and the challenges that you faced along the way and understanding a little bit about how you've really overcome them? Yeah, I think the biggest challenges can be generally bucketed into, the, into what we've touched on before, but there's always something new. And I'm usually not the expert on something, not that I don't have expertise, but that I'm always surrounded by people who are way smarter and way more knowledgeable than me. Um, and, and you, and I've had to learn to be uncomfortable with that. And you really do have to, you have to be, be uncomfortable and, and accept that that's just how you're going to exist. Um, and you have to trust yourself and trust that with that information that you are still going to be able to um, have a good result and build something positive for your clients and for your partners. And you can absolutely do that by working with your team and utilizing all the skills. I, I think at the beginning, I, I thought oh, I have to know everything like I, I myself, you know, I otherwise I'm not doing it correctly. And that's not true at all. Um, it's really about relying on the 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 knowledge and the people around us. So um, that's the that's the biggest hurdle, I would say. Definitely, and it's also it's it's being comfortable not knowing the 
answer, which I, I think is a massive skill set in, in its own, right. where it's very much so like, hey, I don't know the answer, but I'm gonna find I'm gonna find it out, right? And I think probably from your your background on more of the account side and the day to day, I similarly started my career in you know client success, and so it's how do we actually help teams you know get it? But I I don't have to lie or make up an answer. It's just hey, I actually. I don't know the answer to that, but I'll get back to you. And how can we just get more comfortable with that? Yes. And we, we pretty much exist in that space. Like, I don't know the answer, but I know that there is an answer and I trust <laughs> that I'll, I'll be able to get, get to that resolution. So, yeah. Exactly. Um, and kind of, you know, pivoting a little bit, but I think going back to one of the reasons that we're here, which is obviously... International Women's Month. And so as we're kind of working towards a better and brighter future for the female generations to come, how do you feel that we can really empower the next generation of women in the ecosystem? And, you know, what can we be doing to really help accelerate and how do other organizations really focus a little bit more on empowering women? Yeah, there are two things that are critical to this. Um, the first one is uh, we need to be hiring women into our upper our, our upper tiers of leadership. Um, there's, I don't know all the statistics, but women in technology have a good representation in lower and middle tiers. And in upper, it just compl- it's abysmal and it just completely falls away. So we need to be making sure that women are represented there so that so that other women can see them as an inspiration and that we're not having a a biased approach to hiring. Um, But I think one of our biggest prohibitors uh, of of that and the second thing is the fact that our maternity leave is not adequate in this country. We need to have way better federal and state benchmarks for maternity leave. We need to have at least six months paid maternity leave and um, women need to have continuation of things like their benefits and their 401k because women are going and having babies and not being able to put money into their retirement and are becoming impoverized in their later years. Whereas our male counterparts, um, they may have taken paternity leave as well, but maybe not for as long a time and they're getting a continuation of things like their 401k. So, and until we have better maternity leave, we're not gonna be able to, to continue to have as many women stay in our companies um, for, for long periods of time and get the experience they need to be in the upper um, echelons of our management. So those are, those are the two things we need. Uh, I think those are both really great points in terms of how do we, uh, you know, just as an, you know, not even an ecosystem, I, I have plenty of friends who were either teachers or, you know, in way different professions than technology. And, and here in America, they, they've had to pivot those career journeys due to, you know, their maternity policies and what was going to be best for their families. And it's definitely something that is very different and, and something I give a massive shout out to all of all of the other countries who are doing this in, in the right way. And so how do we actually impact that change and, you know, continue to build awareness around it in America specifically. Yeah, truly. And, uh, you know, thinking, thinking about just being a a woman in technology, 
I always feel when we go to different conferences and different events, a lot of times it feels like everyone kind of knows everyone already. <laughs> and I always am, you know, as I, I go to different things, it's like, what, what did I miss something? Was there like a preview to everyone just knowing each other? How do we, how does this come together? And I would love to understand on your side, like how has your networking impacted your career? Yeah. This is such a tough one because I feel it's it's a bit of a necessary evil. Um, it's definitely way worse in your mind than it actually is. So, you know, I would just say just go and go and do it like anything else. But the other thing, and this just came to me, is um, it feels when we feel nervous and uncomfortable in those situations, there's all these people around us that we don't know and everyone seems really confident. Um, it feels like there's a spotlight on us and everyone's examining our imperfections and that's not the case at all. So you kind of have to take your mind off yourself and realize that everyone's feeling just as uncomfortable as you um, and just let go of that a little bit as much as you can. Um, but networking is important. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a tough one. It, how do you feel about it, Valerie? What's your advice? Certainly. Yeah, I, I think it's exactly kind of what you just said, right? We have to just practice getting comfortable being uncomfortable. And I, I say it often, a lot of people are always like, Oh, you do, you do great. You can go and say hi to everyone and whatnot. And inside I am the complete opposite, especially if it's a new conference or a new event that I, I don't know the lay of the land. It's how do I really push myself out of my comfort zone? And I always say, and people who are close to me do not believe this, but I always say I'm an introverted extrovert where I'm very introverted until I'm comfortable. And then you cannot get me to stop talking. <laughs> so for people who I'm comfortable around, they're like, no part of you is introverted. But many of times it, it actually is that where I really have to kind of push myself to get out of my comfort zone and just kind of start. I think that's the other thing. We don't have to go to these events and talk to every single person person there. It's how do you get comfortable just starting those conversations? And then it gets a lot more fluent the more that you practice it. But it definitely, it, I, I would say practice is really the biggest thing when it comes to networking and just acknowledging we are all in the same boat and everyone's going to have a little bit of a different style. So how do you just remain positive? And for me, to your point earlier, even it's if I don't know the answer to a question, that's okay. We can continue a conversation and understand, you know, what are we actually going to be discussing and, and how do people get to where they are in their you know careers? Yeah, I love that. Awesome. Um, and we kind of touched on it before, but I would also love given your, your, you know, your experience and your background, I would love to understand from your experience, really what the differences are in some of the regions. So as we look at Australia and then obviously the U S and, you know, from Europe, what are kind of some of those main differences? Yeah. Broadly speaking, I would put the differences into two categories, which is legislation or the regulations, the laws, and then the other one. And I don't know what the best way to put this, but language, I think people underestimate the impact of language when they're trying to roll out a solution in another country. Um, language can be a huge barrier. And we have to remember 
in the US and in English speaking countries. So the US, Australia and England, it's, it's e much easier to um, understand what's happening with the data and with the solutions in, in these countries because we share a language, um, but different laws. And I'll get to that in a second. But when you go to countries, for example, in South America um, or in Asia, there are different nomenclatures around how people are named. So in Mexico, people have matriarchal and patriarchal names and there's a system of names. If you're the first child, you have a, a certain name, second child, third child, fourth child, etc. cetera, for, for boy and girl. Um, the same is true in Indonesia and a lot of other countries. And so when we apply these principles and these systems of automation that we've built in terms of categorizing and understanding the identity of people in a population of a country or a region, um, we can really get stuck if we don't understand exactly how that, that culture and that language convention is structured. Um, the other example is that in a lot of other countries outside of the, court, the English speaking countries where, where we are and where I come from, um, a lot of other countries have multiple languages that they speak. India and Japan are really great examples of that. Um, and so you have to have a, a knowledge of that. Um, different characters, we have our QWERTY keyboard. Um, in Asia, there's completely different, and in the Middle East, there's just completely different um, letters that are being used. So, so that's a really a, a challenging thing that makes the US really the holy grail um, of data. That combined with the legislation, which of course is is just as big is what can you what can you use what rights does the individual have what technology is enabled within your devices um, for the collection of data um, and that so in Australia has laws very similar to the GDPR although they're slightly different so it's really um, at, so Australia Europe um, not so much Latin America but and parts of Asia are, are pretty much similar with some differences in terms of the the, the user, the data subject has, has far more rights than in America. And that makes it amazing for companies and for us working in this industry. And I would argue that it does make it good for consumers as well, but to, to that degree where we talked about where you have to, how do we be respectful and how do we, um, how do we, uh, uh, preserve people's privacy and, and all of that. So those are the biggest differences as I see them. Yeah, that's amazing. And really enlightening. I, I love, you never know where these questions, how people are going to answer them, but I really loved your response there. And just thinking about some of the stuff that does like in my world, especially where I'm so focused on like legislation and what are the laws, but then also like bringing that human element to the data and like to the different countries of what is going to look and feel different based off, you know, some of the items that you were describing earlier. So I love that response. Um, marketing is all about the consumers and their needs. And that includes data privacy and shifting away from third party cookies. What would you say are some of the challenges that your clients and partners face and how does Axiom help support them? Yeah, um, the, it's, it's really the rapidly changing space, which I feel is, is the theme of this discussion. But our clients, as we are, you know, we're sitting here saying like we can't always know everything because everything keeps changing. You know, how do our clients feel? Um, and, and they're trying to uh, procure the best technology. They're trying to manage their marketing campaigns. They're trying to understand who their target market, um, where their target market is, how that's shifting, where their customers are. 
Um, and our knowledge is, you know, they're dealing with huge budgets and actual physical structures that they've set up, whether they've procured um, data infrastructure or, you know, switched to a whole new cloud. So they're, they're dealing with um, the permanence or, or, or trying to make something impermanent enough to be flexible to the changing ecosystem um, while driving the best strategies. And so Axiom, something that we do amazingly and, and, and we're platform agnostic. And so we, wherever, whatever stage our client is at, we help them with that stage. And so one of the biggest things we're doing right now is, is the shift to cloud. All of our clients needing to shift to cloud, we've done some huge um, entire tech stack um, cloud shifts in the last couple of years. Some of our biggest um, Fortune 50 clients have done that and we're continuing to do that. Um, so that's one of the biggest themes I see today. The other one on the marketing side or, or the, the customer, um, you know, continuity and identity side is our distributed audiences. Um, and that it makes it really hard to find people and to understand who your people are um, across their spaces. And then, of course, the legislation changes just injects a whole new element into that. Yes, absolutely. That's that's really great. And obviously, you know, working with the Axiom team, I, I always love the innovation that really comes. And one of the things that I think we have a lot in similarity is really putting our clients first, right? What what do our customers need? And, and for us as being kind of thought leaders in the industry, as we're going to stay on top of all this legislation and making sure that we're building the right technology or data services that help them scale and grow it's how do we really continue to keep up to help support them in these journeys where they may not be as well versed that's so true yeah and we have a lot of joint customers actually between us that yeah. we know are, are needing that exact solution and we're having these same conversations so yeah definitely um, and I mean, with that, right, we're seeing more and more collaborations that w weren't possible or, you know, even thought about to be a relevant collaboration. But what collaborations would you like to see more out there? And are there different industries that you would like to see them happening more in? Yeah, um, I would actually like to see this is this is a, a bit of a tough one. I don't know. I, I would like to see the government collaborate more with, and I don't know what the best way to do this is because this is such a tough thing, but there's so much misinformation out there. Um, and I want to see the government talk to the people in more innovative ways. Um, not just, oh, you see the president in a news segment on you know, whichever news you tune into on TV, like how do we get truthful information out to everyone um, yeah. through these collaborations? So I'll, I'll have to think about that, take that away and think about yeah. how we can yeah. make that happen. <laughs> like we're we're going to go back. We're going to just start solutioning this out. Of how do we, yeah. what Probably works here? Right. <laughs> totally. Oh. 
Awesome. And uh, I think, you know, to kind of round, round out the topic conversations before we wrap up, one of the biggest things is obviously trust is really a big part of every business. And if it's not, it really should be, quite frankly. But what are some of the things that you think need to change and how can the industry really come together and redefine our relationship with each other? It's a really great question. Um, unfortunately, there are, because of the nature of our, our industry, there are entities that, um, I think don't preserve the, the privacy of the consumer as much as InfoSum or Axiom does. Um, I, I really would say that, that we're two of the, the leaders in this space and there's lots of amazing companies, but there are, you know, companies that perhaps are a bit more lax on that. So that's really important. And one thing I, I love about InfoSum is that it's a no trust model. You don't have to trust someone else, which is it, which is almost, it's such an interesting and new type of working. You, yeah, you don't, it's, it's irrelevant how you feel about them in terms of whether they're trustworthy and collecting their data in an ethical manner. Um, but anyway, that's a sidebar. I think, no, I, I think that's perfect. And it really is, right? It's, hey, we, we talk about trust and whatnot, but I, I think so often about myself as a consumer and I think about my family and my friends of what should be, you know, how do we actually power this ecosystem in that ethical way? And from a trust perspective as well, like really now this new hot topic of zero party trust where you don't have to trust anyone. And we've spent the past decade building these incredible technologies across our ecosystem and we have to let them do what they were built to do. And how do we actually just educate the market on the tools that they have readily available for them that can allow them to sleep easier at night, not have to worry about data exposure or what what is the headline of the newspaper going to be the next day if something happens to their data assets? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So I think moving into our last question, then it is obviously Women's History Month, as we have mentioned multiple times during today's uh, session. But is there anyone that you would want to nominate for a future Identity Architects episode that has inspired, motivated, or helped to level the playing field for women in media and advertising? Yes, I would like to nominate Colleen O'Hara. Colleen and I met in 2018 and she was my boss for about four years before she moved on to become um, the chief product officer uh, for another company. And she's just an incredibly inspiring woman um, and person. She's an amazing person and she helped me so much. Um, so yeah, I'll put you guys in touch with her. Amazing. I am excited. Um, and thank you so much, Hannah. Honestly, this was amazing just hearing a little bit more about your journey and obviously being a woman in the technology industry of how we can continue to empower empower those around us and really uh, you know, help rising tides, as I like to say, in terms of the women of our ecosystem and, and how we can help better support each other. So truly, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, no, thank you so much, Valerie. It was awesome to have this conversation. And I want to, after the session, I want to pick your brains on all of this because I just love this and you're awesome. And yeah, thank you so much. 
Amazing. Thanks, Hannah. Thanks, Valerie. Bye. Thanks again to Hannah for joining us on Identity Architects. I loved that episode. So much inspiration flowing between Valerie and Hannah, two incredible women in our industry. All that leaves for me to do is to remind you to hit that subscribe button so you know when the next episode of Identity Architects lands. But until then, thanks for listening.